after what all he has done, how in the world could we not serve him? Just think about it. How could we not serve him? Decrease in religious freedom. I don't have time this morning to go through the list and go all the way down the list of things we're seeing in the West to include the United States as we see our religious freedoms slowly being taken away. And I will say this, you don't, okay, you don't have to look far because it is taking place. Let me just share something with you this morning. Current estimates, this is current estimates, 80% of all religious or all acts of religious persecution around the world today are directed specifically against Christians. That percentage has continued to increase from the time that this particular statistic was published. I can tell you today it is, it is even increasing more above the 80%. If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter number 7. We're going to start in verse 51 and make our way into chapter 8. Acts chapter 7, we'll start in verse 51. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture for many because it deals with Stephen and the stoning of Stephen. One of the things that you need to keep in the back of your mind here is we come to Stephen. This is in the beginning, early days of the church. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ is beginning to make its way around the regions. Well, there's an individual by the name of Stephen. And Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost and also sharing the gospel, beginning in verse 51 of Acts chapter 7, we pick it up. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit, you are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one. Now I want you to understand, this conversation is with the religious crowd that's here. And so Stephen continues, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. Being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. 
But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep or he died. All for the sake of the gospel. And standing on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to please understand something with me this morning. This crowd that he's in front of is a religious crowd. Religion today has done more to bring about death than many other things that we deal with in the world today. And it's a shame. We come to chapter 8 and verse number 1, and I will tell you, someone who was standing there who consented to the stoning of Stephen was none other than Saul himself, who later became Paul. Notice verse 1 of chapter 8. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. Yeah, this is the same Paul. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. Please underline that. A great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And let me say this this morning. It has not stopped. And matter of fact, today where we find ourselves, it's beginning to pick itself up. It's beginning to escalate somewhat. Just being overseas on mission trips in different countries overseas, I will tell you, when you look at the watch list today of the number of countries today that they have shut off any connection or anyone being able to come in today who are Christian, Matter of fact, the only way you can get into a lot of these places is you have to make sure that you go under in underneath the umbrella of a totally different career path than coming in as a Christian. You cannot do that anymore. Folks, please listen to me. While I was at the convention this past June, we saw a number of new international uh, missionaries who were commissioned to go to the field. Many of them had to stand behind Uh, silhouetted curtains so no one could see their face who are going into some of these areas to carry the gospel, please listen to me, who have the possibility of losing their entire life for the sake of the gospel. The question becomes today, is it important enough to share the truth of the gospel regardless of where we may find ourselves? And I will say this, in the West today, we don't know anything about what persecution is about. We come, we meet, we worship, we sit in our nice buildings with our padded pews, the latest and greatest in technology. We've got more Bibles in our houses than most of these people have in the whole entire land for the gospel. A decrease in religious freedom. Are we seeing it? You better bet you we are today. And it's increasing. Attacks on religious freedom are now escalating even in Western countries, including the U.S. And the question becomes, as to why? Why why does it appear to be escalating today? Well, the Bible gives us an answer why. 
If you'll turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17, back in the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, if you'll turn to Jeremiah 17, we'll see the reason. And let me say this, the hearts of men today are not getting better. And pardon the English, okay, because I, 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 don't, I, I don't like to go here, but I'm going here anyway because I just need it this morning, okay? So all you English majors out there, just pardon me. Put your ears, or hands, or fingers in your ears till after I say it, okay? Hearts are not getting gooder. <laughs> Jeremiah 17, and please look at verse 9. Notice what it says. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Wickedness is abounding. Those who make laws with desperately wicked hearts Is it any wonder today that we're seeing an increase or a decrease in religious freedom today? They're doing everything that they can to absolutely remove God and any reference to Jesus Christ or the gospel out of everything that's a part of our lives. Listen, Satan's no dummy today. Satan understands. Satan knows the clock's ticking. And matter of fact, for us today to understand and realize, here's one of the things I please, please, please let this sink in. Persecution is going to intensify. Religious freedom, decrease in religious freedom is going to continue to escalate. And so for us today, so what do we do? That's the question I get asked. What do we do in the church today? I'm going to tell you, if I could encourage you with something, please listen to me. Today is not the day to quit. If we have ever, if we have ever put our hands to the plow and leaned into where we are today in these last days, it's today. People need to hear the gospel. Could it be costly? Yes. Could it cost us our job? It could possibly, the day's coming, it may cost you your job. May it cost you your life? It possibly could. You see, over the past decade, U.S. federal and state government actions have established a dangerous trend of intentionally restricting religious freedom. Please listen to me. It's not by accident. It's intentional. It's intentional. And I hear, you know, why? Why, why, are they, why are they looking to shut it down? I will tell you why. Because Christians today, and unfortunately that word's been hijacked, but Christians today have been seen and we have been placed in a box today that we are absolutely intolerant. Intolerant? Let me tell you why we're intolerant. We've talked about this in the weeks past. Why are we intolerant? Because we stand on the truth of the Word of God, and that truth does not change, my friend. And when you stand on the truth, unfortunately today, you're considered to be intolerant because we don't stand on relevant or truth that is 
okay, when we look at truth today, if it's, if, it's, if it's truth to you or it's truth to me, so be it. Who are you to say to me what truth is and what truth is not? I will tell you, from Genesis to the book of the Revelation, out of the Word of God, that is the truth. So when you stand on it, and it cuts against the moral fiber of culture today and who they are, or I should say the immorality of culture that we find ourselves in today. When you stand on the truth of the Word of God and it cuts against that, you're intolerant. Here's the other thing. Here's the other side of it. You're also intolerant because of this very reason, because you claim that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Hey, we're all trying to get there. We're all, we're, listen, we're all headed down the same path. We're all trying to get to the same God. I hate to tell you this, but the God of Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, and all of them, take the whole list. That is not the same God. It's not. You're intolerant. These actions that are taking place today, point to a potentially dangerous and growing intolerance of religion. Listen to this. In 2015, this is 2015, the latest data set that we have. It comes from Open Doors. More than 7,000 Christians were killed for faith-related reasons. See, folks, we sit in here It's all over there across the pond. Please listen to me. It's coming to your doorstep quicker than you believe that it is. 7,000. Stephen, he gave his life for the sake of the gospel. Go read the, go read the book of Acts. One just Stephen. Keep reading in the book of Acts. One's being thrown into jail, into prison. Paul himself wrote some of what we refer to as the prison epistles. Guess where he wrote them from? Prison. For the sake of the gospel. I thought this was interesting. This came from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German theologian, and here's, and here's, what, he, here's what he wrote. He said, when Christ calls a man... He bids him come and die. He bids him come and die. First to self. But please keep in mind that dying to self first could also lead to a physical death as well. And Bonhoeffer knew that. Bonhoeffer knew that intently. Turn with me to John chapter 15. Let's look at the words of Jesus. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Let's start in verse 18. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 18. If the world hates you, if, if, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. 
Matter of fact, you're hated because of Jesus' sake. You're hated because of him. And I tell folks this all the time. Don't take it personally. It's not you that they necessarily hate. It's what you stand for. Because you stand for absolute truth. Because you stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so therefore the world hates you. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. It does. Yeah, but I hear this all the time. Yeah, but you know what? The church hates me, but the ones that I run with, they love me. Why? Because you have the same mindset they do. It doesn't matter. We're all here together trying to get to the same place together. And so therefore nobody can tell me what I can do and what I can't do. So you let me do whatever I want to do. Please listen to me. That appeals to the self. This doesn't. Verse 19, but I chose you out of the world because of this, the world hates you. Verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecute, please underline this, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all of these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know the one who sent me. Pretty clear, isn't it? Pretty plain. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. As I was studying through all this, I said, you know, I could put all these slides up there to show all of this where it's beginning to deteriorate. Okay, that's, what good is that? What we need to understand is it's happening, it's coming, it's going to increase. So what do we do with all of this? 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want you to notice verse 10 through verse 12. Now this is Paul writing in his second letter to Timothy, and I want you to notice what he writes to him. He says, Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance. Notice verse 11. Notice the first two words. Persecution and what? And sufferings. Such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. Let me tell you something. It wasn't just one place. Paul experienced it all through his earthly ministry. All of the time that Paul, oh yeah, by the way, this same, this this Paul who wrote this letter to Timothy was the same one that was standing consenting to the death of Stephen. The gospel, the gospel changed him. And when the gospel changed him, notice what he says, persecution and suffering is going to come. And Timothy, you've witnessed all of that. You've seen it. But notice what else it says in verse 11, what persecutions I endured and out of them all, the Lord rescued me. Let me tell you something. A lot of people say, poor Stephen. Stephen lost his life for the gospel. Yeah, he did. But could you imagine being Stephen? When he looked up towards heaven. 
And as he gazed up toward heaven, he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And then I want you to notice what Stephen said that we looked at and we read from this morning. He looked at that crowd and he said, Father, please don't hold any of this against them. They hate Jesus Christ. They hate the word of God. They hate the truth that it stands for. And if you stand on it, they're going to hate you as well. In verse 12, I want you to notice what Paul tells Timothy. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. Yeah, but Brother Robert, I didn't sign up for any of that. A little late now. Flip on over to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. Here's a promise for you from the Word of God. Here's something for you to hold on to. Written by Peter. Yes, this is the same Peter who stood on the day of Pentecost. And then again in Acts chapter number 4 as he stood to preach. Oh yeah, by the way, this is the same Peter who was thrown into prison. Sure is. For the sake of the gospel. Notice what he writes. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 10. After you have suffered a little while. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Don't get any better than that, does it? Huh? Doesn't get any better than that. Point number two. Sharing the sufferings of Christ leads to sharing his glory. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 through verse 18. Sharing the sufferings of Christ leads to sharing his glory. You know, most of the time when we read Romans chapter 8, And we come down to verse 17. We always read the first part and we stop at the comma. It's almost like we stop at the comma, remove the comma, and place a period or an exclamation point there. But verse 15, notice with me what it says. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And what we like to do is put a period right there. And here's what we like to say. I'm an heir. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ to everything that he has. Well, you need to read the rest of it. Because notice what Paul, as he continues, if indeed, 
We suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider, notice what Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. May we suffer? Yes. Is persecution coming? It is. May we find ourselves on that side of the equation? We may very well find ourselves there. May there be some before Jesus Christ returns in the rapture of the church who find themselves at the throes of having to give their life for the sake of the gospel may in fact be the case. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, those who have gone on before us, who have given their life, I think of the 7,000 that was identified just in 2015 who gave their life. They were killed for faith-related reasons. I think about all of those who have gone before us. And those who will be around the throne of God who were martyred for the sake of the gospel. Sharing the sufferings of Christ leads to sharing his glory. Now, please listen to me. Not in redemptive suffering. That is not what Paul is talking about. Not in redemptive suffering. But in the opposition from the world, he came to redeem. In other words, the bearing of discomfort that comes with struggle or even punishment inflicted physically. For faithfulness in following Jesus Christ. Not redemptive suffering. Because none of us in this building today could ever, could ever drink from that cup. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul writing about this thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So what are we looking toward? What are we looking at? Those things that are eternal or those things that are temporal? See, this life is going to come to a close. It's coming to an end. After how many years? <laughs> let's say, let's say they, they keep saying, the doctors are saying now that the average lifespan of a human being continues to increase. I don't know what we're up to now. I think somebody said the latest I heard is up around 80, 82 years of age, somewhere around in there. Okay. Please listen to me. 82 years compared to all of eternity is nothing. It's nothing. Matthew chapter 10. If you'll turn with me there, I want to use this passage to kind of 
bring all of this to a close. When Jesus sent his followers out, he gave them some very explicit instructions. Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 16, I want you to notice what Jesus says. Behold, he said, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. You ought to underline that because you're ready for this. Nothing has changed. That is still the case today. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves, but be aware, but beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles for something that was yet coming. Jesus says you need to be ready for this because it's coming. You're going to be handed over to courts. They're going to scourge you in the synagogues. You're going to be handed and brought before governors and kings. And I want you to notice, for whose sake? For his sake. For the cause of the gospel. For Jesus Christ himself. That's why you will be brought there. That's why you will be brought before them. But please don't miss this. He said, I'm sending you out as sheep among who? Wolves. Have you ever seen a sheep with a wolf? Huh? That sheep on his own doesn't stand a chance. My dear friend, listen to me. We as believers today, as Christians, before Satan himself, we don't stand a chance by ourselves. Alone within ourselves. How was it Stephen was able to do what he did? If you read the scripture, here's what it says. He was filled with what? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit of God was the one who gave him the strength and the courage to be able to stand there amidst the stoning and endure it. What about Paul in prison? The Holy Spirit... Those who choose to be obedient and follow Christ would be and will be persecuted. But, see, we tend to look at Matthew 10 as mere history. Surely, Matthew 10 doesn't apply to us living today. That's just what these new popular theologies today teach you and want you to think. That suffering can be avoided. There is a way to be faithful, comfortable, and blessed at the same time. I hate to tell you this, but that's not what the scripture says. It's not what the scripture says. Matter of fact, they teach that you can seed all of this comfort. You can seed all of this care. You can seed all of this. You can seed all of this. You just you you got you got to put more you got to put more seed in there. And here's what else they teach. And you can be obedient and safe 
And God will reward your obedience with success and security. Mm. What about Stephen? What about Paul? What about James? What about John exiled to the Isle of Patmos? What about these 7,000 that they lost their life for the sake of Jesus? How about those to this day? Obedient in following Jesus Christ or losing their life in the very world we live in today. Today, today, this Sunday, someone will lose their life for the sake of the gospel. Huh? All right. Let me bring all of this to a close quickly. We have the privilege of obeying and going. But we go on God's terms, not ours. We go on his terms, not ours. And you say, what do you mean his terms, not ours? As sheep among wolves. As sheep among wolves. Where do we find our protection? Where do we find that... What do, where do we find what we need in our lives every day? It's called the Holy Spirit. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. And we tell you why. Because he's, he, God knew there's absolutely no way you and I could live what we've been called to live and to do without the Holy Spirit. Because within ourselves, we cannot and will not do it. Period. So, persecution is seen today in three areas. Please, listen. Please. It's not just in politics. It's happening through the deconstruction that is taking place on our college campuses. But not only there now, it is beginning to make its way down into our public schools and our high schools. The world is quickly changing. But the question becomes this. As a believer, as a child of God, today, if we've never done it before, we need to commit as Paul did. When Paul said, I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ himself. He suffered and died for you. Willingly laid down his life and took it up again. You ready for this? While you were still his enemy. So will we stand for him today? Will we be what we need to be for him today?